Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Come on, you guys look amazing this morning, and it is summer. Who's excited for summer? Come on. Okay, but by show of hands, I want to take a poll. Who loves the heat? You are just a heat person. Raise your hand. My Lord, you are causing all of us to suffer because of what you want. We officially know it's summer outside because it says it's 90. It feels like 190 outside. It is hot. And, and I, this morning, as I was walking to my car this week, actually, as I was walking to my car, dripping sweat, the 15 steps outside, I'm, I'm realizing that not only are we entering a new season in our calendar where it's getting hotter, it reminded me that God brings us in new seasons and it brings new challenges. Amen. We just, we just have new challenges with new seasons. I mean, the challenge just in general of weather is making sure when we walk inside, men, we know this, you keep your arms down. Why, Pastor Chris? Because you know your pit is sweating like crazy. Okay, I saw you, man, when you shook my hand like this. I know what you were doing. We're all sweating, right? So you know that different seasons bring different challenges. And I'm even thinking in our life, all of us right now, are going through some sort of new season. Now, my question to you this morning as we move forward is this. What new season are you entering into or walking in right now? I'm not talking about the calendar. I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking about personally. Because I believe that our lives revolve around these seasons that we enter into and walk out of. And there are always new seasons right on the horizon. And for many of you, maybe you're starting a new job. You got out of your old one and you're so excited. You're going to enter this new job where you're not going to have a boss. It's a buffoon, right? Where you're like, I'm so excited. I'm getting paid more money. Don't forget to tithe. No, but there, um, and they're, they're, you're just, you're, you're excited about a new job. Maybe for some of you, this new season looks like a new school. Maybe you're going back to school, getting your graduate degree. You're entering into college. For some of you, you're, you're maybe going to a new public school or maybe a private school or, or homeschool. There's just a new season that you're going to in your school. For some of you, your new season looks like marriage. You just got married and you're trying to figure out, right? Is she going to sleep on the right or left? Which one is that going to happen on the bed? How is that going to work? You're entering the new season of marriage. For some of you, your new season looks like this. You're getting more serious about your faith. You're saying this season, I'm going to make faith a priority. I'm going to make church a priority. I'm going to maybe go to next steps. I'm going to get on the serve team. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to become a godly man or a godly woman. This is your season. For some of you, the season that you're in is you're having a child or you just had a child. Now I have five kids in which with each one of them, they brought a whole new season and a whole new transition. Because how many know a season never just affects you. It always affects the people around you. And you're marching through that season trying to figure it out. For some, maybe you're not having kids. Maybe you're getting rid of your last kid. Amen. Come on. And y'all parents say, amen. You're going, we're empty nesters after this. Some of you are really laughing right now because you're like, yes, we know. Right? You're, but you're trying to figure out what that looks like as empty nesters. It's a new season for your marriage where... 
now kids aren't in the home and you're trying to figure out what that looks like. And those are great seasons. Some of those are the good seasons. But I also know that all seasons aren't really good seasons. Some are very tough seasons. For instance, maybe some of you are walking through the new diagnosis of a cancer where you know you're going to have to go through a hard season of radiation and chemo. Maybe it's a loved one that you know is going to have to struggle, that you're going to have to walk hand in hand. Maybe it's just a healing process through a surgery, a new season to learn how to walk, how to talk, how to move. There's new seasons. Some of you are walking through the death of a loved one where you're trying to figure out how do I do this life without this person that I've been with, without my friend, without my spouse? How do I live this life trying to figure out what it looks like to be without them? You see, these are the new seasons that, and transitions that all of us go through. And I don't care who you are, whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, every single one of us enter into new seasons And I think for many of us, we have to take courage, especially if you are a believer this morning, that though these new seasons, some of them may be tough. How many know God always has a greater purpose for us in and through these seasons? He never wastes a season. He'll never waste pain. He'll never waste pleasure. He is a God that continues to use seasons to shape who we are. But only if we allow it. Because, I want you to catch this this morning. Please don't miss this. Because every new season, write this down, every new season requires something new from us in order for God to get something new in us. That every new season requires something new from us in order for God to get something new in us. What does that mean, Pastor Chris? It means we can't expect that the same methods that helped us in the old seasons will carry us through the the new seasons. Come on. What what do you mean by that, Pastor Chris? I mean this. Try to parent your 13-year-old like you parented her when when she was three. Come on, somebody. Try to talk to your teenager like she's three. How does that work out for you? Getting a lot of eye roll and a lot of blank stares. Because the way that you parented in that season is not the same as the way that you're gonna parent in the new season. It's the new season, and we have to begin to adjust for that. Or, or, or maybe, you ever wonder why the same championship team that carries over into a new season doesn't go to the championship, doesn't win? I remember in 2009 when we won, when I was with the Saints, I'm telling you, we had the same exact team. The team may be the same, but it's a new season. The season has changed. And we couldn't carry old mentalities into new seasons or else it was going to be the death of us. And we knew that. That's why we went 11 and five and lost in the first round of the playoffs. Because you can't carry these old mentalities into new seasons. And I believe this is spoken of in the word. Jesus actually spoke of this. He used an analogy. He put a picture together when he was speaking about what he was coming to do and what the Pharisees or the religious people chose to do. The religious people, the Pharisees, wanted it to be all about rules. Jesus said, I came to bring relationship. And they were trying to mix those two together and it wasn't working. And here's what Jesus says about that in Matthew chapter nine. Here's what he says. He says, no one patches up an old coat with a piece of new cloth for the new patch will shrink and make an even bigger hole in the coat. 
nor does anyone pour new wine. Some of you are going, amen, uh, new wine into used wineskins for the skins will burst and the wine will pour out and the skins will be ruined. Instead, listen to this. New wine is poured into fresh new wineskins and both will keep in good condition. What is Jesus saying? He's saying new seasons require new things. New seasons require new things. It's the reason that when you accepted Christ, if you're a born again believer, you accepted Jesus and you began living the same way and nothing changed. Though the substance in you changed you, the outside was the same. And watch this. Eventually it's going to bust. And it's not the substance that needs to change. How many know? It's us that needs to change. And many of us can't change our new season. But we can learn how to navigate that new season. We can learn how to grow through that new season. Because this new season is going to require something. Maybe it's going to require new faith or a new mind. New miracles, new healing, new freedom, new prayer time, newness in the word, a a new discovery of your identity, a new you in this season. And I believe God wants to use this new season in order to fortify and refine this new you. And you might be going, well, how do I navigate this season then, Pastor Chris? These new seasons, how do I navigate that? I think it comes down to one thing. I think it comes down to one thing in order to navigate new seasons well. Do you want to know what that is? Okay, three people over here. Awesome, thank you. It's the one thing the enemy has been distorting, perverting, and pulling down since the beginning of time. It's called identity. If you want to learn how to navigate new seasons well, it all comes down to your identity. It all comes down to your identity. Oh, it's the reason in our nation today we have an identity problem. We don't have a sexuality problem. We don't have a gender problem. We don't have a marriage problem. Listen to me. We have an identity problem. And we go based upon how we feel in that season instead of knowing who we are and standing firm that God has shown me who I am. I'm not going to bow to anyone or anything else to influence me of who I am. You see, that's what's wrong. We get into new seasons and we let it shape us in the wrong way. We let it become our identity And the enemy is perverting, distorting, and distracting us from what our true identity really is. It's the way of the enemy. He has not changed since the beginning. How many know that? 1 Peter 5.8 says that he's still prowling around looking for someone to devour like a roaring lion. He's still, watch this. He's still a lion and he's roaring but he ain't got no bites. He's just trying to distract you, get you afraid, saying when you're walking through this season, you need to do things differently. When you're walking through that season, you need to doubt who you are, who God says you are. When you're walking through a new season and a new time, you need to question everything. But I believe Jesus shows us the way because he has navigated a new season. 
And in Matthew chapter four, which we're gonna look at in just a second, and we're gonna break down, I believe that Jesus walks into a new season. He walks into this season and it doesn't go the way maybe he thought it would go or maybe it goes the way he thought exactly it would go. But he's navigating this new season in Matthew chapter four. And the context that I want to set up this morning is that Jesus has been hiding for 30 years. He's been getting ready for his ministry for 30 years. And then he finally comes out for these last three, which will end in the cross. But as he's entering into ministry, going from regular family life there in Nazareth and Jerusalem, then to ministry life, he goes through a season of transition. And in that, Jesus gets baptized And as he gets baptized in Matthew chapter three, we see that as he comes out, light shining on him, right? It's Jesus. He just got baptized. And the voice from the father says this. It says, this is my son whom I love and well pleased. You ever notice Jesus didn't do one thing up until that point, not one miracle. Yet the father said, I love you. What was the father doing? Watch this. He was affirming his identity. Because the father knew he was about to enter into a new season where if he wasn't careful, even the son of God's identity would begin to get shaped by the season. And so here goes Jesus walking into this new season of ministry. He's about to go preach. He's about to go save. He's about to go heal. Wait, that's not what happens. Matthew chapter four. Here's what happens in Matthew chapter four, starting in verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Pause for a second. I don't know about you, but I don't want my season looking like that. Amen. Come on. I'm walking into a new season. I get hungry after 40 minutes, let alone 40 days and 40 nights. He's fasting. He's praying. And watch this. He's going out into the wilderness, which means the desert. He's going to be alone. He's going to be in the dark. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be tired. And he's entering into this new season. And I don't know about you. I would not want that to be my season. But I don't want you to miss the first part because most people miss it. It says this, it says that he was led by the spirit. Some of us can't stand being led into tough seasons. But can I just tell you, the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness because the wilderness wasn't a place of punishment. It was a place of preparation. You may be in a desert place. But God is not done with you. He is preparing you for the next season. And all in this word, we see that the wilderness actually stands for a place and a season of preparation for what is to come. We see it. There's a larger purpose that he begins preparing them for. We see Moses. We see Moses go out into the desert as he's running from the Egyptians and he's running out there and he becomes a shepherd for 40 years. Little did he know that he was becoming a shepherd for 40 years in the desert so he could go back to Egypt and lead his people out and shepherd them to freedom. We see that David was this little shepherd boy and he was promised kingship. 
And he was shepherding there. And God needed time to refine and define what his identity was in him till he could rise to become king after facing Goliath. He needed a wilderness season. We see it all throughout scripture. If you look at the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul was put into prison and you might go, man, that's a terrible season. Did you know the reason that we have the the, the new Testament, three fourths of the new Testament is because Paul was in prison and able to write. God never wastes a wilderness season. He's preparing you for something greater. He's preparing you for something better. It is preparation, not punishment in that. And this preparation always, listen to me, always tests our identity. Always. And we're about to see here that Jesus is about to get tested in three categories. And I believe we go through these same things because here's what I've realized in my own journey. I'm just gonna be honest this morning, that each new season brings an attack on my identity. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to prepare you. Each new season brings an attack on my identity. And I'll show you what happens. It happened to Jesus in three ways. Verse number three right here. We're going to continue in the story. It said, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, come on. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The first of the three identity tests in new seasons is this. This is the test of provision right here. This is the test of provision. I believe we all go through this, the test of provision. In other words, it's prove yourself. It's prove yourself. Prove that you can provide for yourself, that you're man enough, you're strong enough, that you can't show any weakness. Prove that you have, you you can do it all by yourself and all on your own. See, man, we want to walk around new seasons going, I'm going to prove to my boss that I can do this job. I'm going to prove to my wife that I can provide for my family. And you walk around with your chest out when really you're falling into the test of provision. You have to know who the great provider is. I I remember this in, in my early on in preaching. I came off the football field in 2011 and, and I just started speaking in different places and then came here in 2014 where God planted our family and, and they began to go, hey, get up on stage and preach. And I'm like, me? And they're like, yeah, preach. And I'm like, I guess, because I'm following people like Pastor Jacob Aranza has been preaching for 45 years since he was 13 years old. Guys like Pastor Tim Delina. How many know Pastor Tim? I'm just like, whoa. These are giant, giant preachers. And then you got people like Pastor Gabe who did an amazing job last week. And then Dr. Scott Adams at our Midtown campus. He has two doctorates. Who needs two of them? Why would you get two? Is one not enough? So I I feel like I can't preach in front of him because he's going to go, that's wrong in your word. That's wrong in your word. That's wrong. I'm like, and so I'm up here trying to preach. And all I could hear was this. You need to prove yourself that you're just as good, if not better than them. I'm like, okay, I will. And I get up here and I have to go this. I'm going to save people. So I need to preach well enough. Listen to me. My test of provision was that I thought I had to be good enough in order to save people. Who do I think I am right now? 
that I could save anyone. I am not the one that saves. He is. And God continued to refine that in that new season. For me, the test of provision was that I was not the provider and that I was not the one having to prove myself because I don't need to prove myself. God has already qualified me. I don't have to be qualified by anybody else. You might be going through that same season where you're entering into a test of provision. What about for you? Do you feel the need to prove yourself in this new season that you're better than you are? Because if you understand who you are, then you don't have to prove anything. He keeps going. There's a test of provision. Verse five says this. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. This test is not the test of provision. This is the test of popularity. This is the test. of Some of you are going, oh, good. I don't really care. I'm not in high school. I don't care about being popular anymore. Are you sure? (laughs) Because I see you all on Facebook wanting to be popular real good. We live in a social media society, don't we? Where everybody wants to be known for what they post. They want to be known for, for what they've eaten that day. I love you. I don't care what you've eaten. You've eaten a salad or a sandwich. I love you. But I don't want to see what you've done. And we want to be known for our likes. We want to be known for, for funny memes that we post. We want to be known for how many followers we have. It is the need for us to be known. And some of you are sitting back and you're going, that's why I'm not on social media, Pastor Chris. I don't do that stuff. Okay. Let me test your popularity right now. Some of you want to be known for the things that no one knows you for. You do great things and you just want somebody to say thank you because you want to be known. You're taking care of somebody that's sick, maybe a sick parent, and you're complaining because no one's thanking you. Let me ask you a question real quick. Are you okay if God is the only one who knows what you do in secret? Are you okay if God is the only one that sees what you're doing that is good? Are you okay if God is the only one that sees that you picked up that dollar bill and you gave it back to that lady even when she didn't know? Or is this need for us to be popular? Because listen to me, you don't have to chase applause when you know your identity is in Jesus. He's already applauding you. He already loves you. He already thinks the world of you. How do I know this? Because he sent his son to die for you. You don't have to chase popularity. You don't have to chase applause. We need to be satisfied. But that is the test of are we trying to be popular, to be known? Are we okay if God knows who we are and has given us our identity? And finally, the enemy wasn't done. He did this next. It says, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory And said this, I will give it all to you, he said to Jesus. If you kneel down and worship me, verse 10, Jesus slapped him in the face and said, get out of here, Satan. That was my version, not this version. 
Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of him. The third and final test that I believe our identity is tested in is this. It's the test of power. It's the test of power. The devil said, I'll give this all to you. Now, what's interesting about that is Jesus is standing probably on this high place and he's already going, you realize I am the son of God. This is already mine to begin with, right? Watch this. It was already his to begin with, but it wasn't time yet. You see, many of us are walking into seasons where God is going to give you authority like you've never had it before. But watch this. But if you grab for it and control it too fast, you won't be ready for it. And see, Jesus, all he had to do was wait because what he knew was that this was already going to be mine because I'm about to die in three years. I'm going to resurrect from the grave. And the Bible says I'm going to ascend into heaven at the right hand of my father where I'm going to be king of kings and Lord of lords. I'm already going to rule over this. You're just trying to tempt me with it early. You see, the test of our identity, the refinement of our identity comes when we want to take control of unknown seasons, new seasons. Where are my control freaks at? Raise your hand. Just admit it. If you lie, you fry. Come on. We all know it. I'm raising my hand. I'm waving it too. Okay. Because I don't like to be in the dark with things. I want to know because if I know, I can expect. And if I expect, I'll be good. But if I walk into a season that is unknown, I'm going to control everything, right? Some of you are, are trying to control when, when you're closing on your house and it's driving you nuts right now. Some of, you, some of you right now are trying to control your kids. Hello. <laughs> why can't I get a hold of you? You'll never get a hold of them. That's why we pray to a God who will get a hold of them. It's a test of our identity. Are we willing to almost do what we sung about today, surrender and let go and let God take control in those seasons. Do you seek to be in control? Because it's not about power. It's about identity. It's a test of your identity because if you know who is in control, you don't have to worry about control at all. It's the promise of God. Because those three tests will begin to refine and fortify your identity in this new season. And listen to me. I want you to hear this. Please, please, please. The enemy can't steal your salvation, but he sure can confuse your identity. He cannot steal your salvation. But he will absolutely do everything in his power to confuse your identity. You'll go through the test of provision. You'll go through the test of popularity. You'll navigate through the, the test of power just to see where you stand. And if you stand and say, no, 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 I'm still a child of God. I'm still a child of God. I know this is a, a hard wilderness season, but I'm still a child of God. I feel so alone right now, Pastor. I'm still a child of God. I feel so broken and hurting. I'm still a child of God. It's the test of your identity. And listen, you know, the crazy thing about it is it's not what God wants for us. God wants to send us through these seasons 
to begin to grow and to shape who we are. But I think it's interesting. As we enter new seasons, you ever wonder? We never stop to ask for directions. Now, I know Father's Day is next week. And men, we don't ask for directions, do we? We just... See, some, some people, how many remember life without cell phones before cell phones? Many of you do. Okay. If you don't, that's okay. But I remember when I was 16 years old, I got my license. How many remember? It was the freedom of your life. It was wonderful. I got this beat up car. It barely went, but it went at least. And my parents blessed me with it. And I, I got my license and I was like, oh my gosh, this maybe put it in my pocket. And I started up my car and I just knew I wanted to go somewhere. And I'm like, where do I, I just, I, I want to drive somewhere. Where do I drive? I'm like, I'm going to go to my friend's house. And I sat there and I go, I don't know how to get there. <laughs> it's like I had the ability to drive, but I didn't know where I was going. And, and if, 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 you're, if you were driving back then, you did this a lot because I did a lot. You would drive around and you would get lost. Yes, there's something called getting lost while you're driving. And you would get lost and you would have to stop at a gas station. How many remember doing this? And ask for directions. Or you'd print out MapQuest, which is just weird on a piece of paper. But I would have to stop and ask for direction. Imagine doing that now. They would look at you like, bro, just put it in your phone. It's very easy. And so I remember stopping and asking for directions at a local gas station. And as we enter new seasons, we don't know how to navigate. We need to stop and ask the one who knows how to navigate that season. He has direction for us. He might be going, well, Pastor Kristen, how does God want me to navigate this season? I believe he gives us directions in Proverbs chapter 3. I believe he gives it to us through Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived besides Jesus. He gives it to us. And it might be a scripture you've read all the time, but I want you to see it in a different way. Here's the directions he gives us. In Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So how do I navigate? How does God want me to navigate this season? In a straight path. And what happens is when we navigate seasons on our own, the path looks crooked. We get into sin and out of sin. We hurt people. We help people. And we make a zigzag when God goes, I want you to go straight through. I want you to have straight path. I don't want you to veer off to the right or to the left. I want you to have a straight, amazing path. And what's crazy about it is the promise the Lord gives us in that verse is says that he will make our path straight. Watch this. Not your friend, not your spouse, not Facebook, not Twitter. Listen to me. Not the president, not the governor, not your pastor or a priest or a church. God will make your path straight. No one else. It's just the truth. Well, then what do we need to do? We're going to break this down in three things. The first thing he tells us to do, number one, write this down, is trust in the Lord. I love what Charles Stanley says. He says it like this. If God tells you to run through a brick wall, start running and believe that God will have a hole already in the wall the size of your head. Come on. Sounds like something I would do, just straight into the wall. 
What he's saying is be obedient to God and leave the consequences of your obedience to him. Well, Pastor Chris, you don't know our situation. Yeah, Pastor Jacob and you are saying I shouldn't be living with with this person before marriage, but you don't know our financial situation. If you knew it, you might think differently. I'm telling you right now, just be obedient. Let God handle the consequences of finances. But what about our insurance? Just be obedient. I've never seen God let a person down when they follow his word. I've never seen him not catch his children when they're being obedient. It might feel like we're falling, but we're right where we're supposed to be. And when we're obedient and we just start running, he catches us every time. It's like having childlike faith. I love having five kids and they're young and, and in the lobby, they do this sometimes. They're, they're crazy at times and they'll just come running up to me as full speed, like daddy, you know, they're excited to see me and they're booking through this thing and we tell them not to, but surprisingly they don't listen to me, but, and they're running as fast as they can, daddy. And I love the fact that they will full out sprint. Watch this knowing that in my old age, I will still catch them. Okay. I may look strong. I am not strong. I am broken and they run fast, but they trust that their father will catch them. They trust that when I throw them up, when they come down, I got them. I will not drop them. They trust that when I'm playing with them and I turn them upside down and I'm swinging them around, they trust that their father will hold on to them. We just need to start running. We just need to start running. Pastor Chris, I, I, don't know, I don't know what that looks like. Or some of you running could look like, listen to me, running could look like praying daily with your spouse. Men, but that's awkward, Pastor Chris. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can lay together, but you can't pray together? Come on. That's all the women clapping right there. I'm just letting you know. Think about it for a moment. That could be what it's running, but it's awkward, Pastor. It's like I have to hold her hands and pray with her, like out loud. It's not a Hail Mary, our Father. Like, think about it for a moment. I mean, I have to like say words to God. Yeah. Just be obedient and watch what God does. If you start running, he'll open holes in a wall that you've never seen before. Head-shaped holes He'll take care of you. For some, running could look like joining the serve team, going to next steps. It could look like, dare I say it, tithing. <gasps> what? Yeah, it's that thing that you do. You give back to God what is already his, your finances. It's called tithing. Watch this. But Pastor Chris, I don't have the money. I just don't think I have it. If God gave it to you, you can give it. You can give it. And if you start running, he will catch you. If you start running, but I don't give to organizations. Well, let me tell you right now, I don't know who you're going to give to then because God works through organizations, whether you like it or not. And it does more for you than you can even imagine. You just start running and God begins to open up doors. We trust in him with all our heart and he leads us into straight paths. The second thing he tells us to do, he tells us to trust, but he also says this. Number two, don't rely on your own understanding. 
Or, or it says, lean not on your own understanding, meaning don't rely on you understanding how to navigate this season, this situation on your own. I think it's funny that Solomon says, he says, trust in the Lord, but don't trust in yourself. You ever notice that? <laughs> trust in the Lord, but don't trust in yourself. He's saying this, you and I are not that smart. Amen. We're not that smart. We don't have all the answers. We need others to help us navigate new seasons. I I love the the unspoken married code that you have when you're married for long enough. Men, you know what I'm talking about? Women where, where she'll give you a look and you know exactly what she's talking about one way or the other, right? You know, it's a look. Well, my wife and I have this, we do it unspokenly, uh, when we're with friends, uh, when we're out to dinner with people and it's just us and, you know, we finish the meal and she'll look at me and she'll make this face and she'll go. Yep, she'll, she'll just look at me and she'll go. Real quick. And so many of you are going like, why would she do that? Is she crazy? Yes, but still. She's not here so I can say that. That's why. But think about it. So let's go. And here's what that means. Is there anything in my teeth that you can see? That's what she's saying. How many know? I, and I, I know. I know what she, I just need to, I, I just need to either nod yes or no. That's all I need to do. And she'll know. Why? Because my wife understands that she can't rely on her own understanding to see something that she can't see. So she needs somebody else to see what she can't see. And when we navigate new seasons, we step into unknown territory that we can't always see what we see. We have to trust others in what they see to help us. It's why we do small groups. That's why we do life with others. That's why we encourage you. If you want to get get into a small group, go back to our next steps here and say, hey, I'm interested in a small group. I'm interested in having people see things that I don't see in this season. To see things that I cannot see in this season. That tells me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear all the time. That loves me so much to share the truth with me. Because, I love this quote, wisdom is the reward you get for listening when you would have preferred to talk. Come on. That's the reward we get as we begin to navigate new seasons. Finally, number three. And here's where I close this morning. You can write this down. It doesn't just say to trust and to don't rely on yourself and your own understanding. But finally, it says to acknowledge God. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge is kind of strange as you look at it. We don't, we don't recognize it a lot. And many of it think about, you know, recognizing like at a banquet, you know, those old times where they would announce who was there. They would recognize, they would acknowledge who was there. It'd be like, Sir William Nottingham, you know, and it's that announcement. Or maybe many of you think of acknowledgement as like a tip of the cap to God. Like, hey, God, I see you up there. Thank you. You know, that's not what acknowledgement is. Acknowledgement is actually a marriage word. It's a partnership word. It's a word that says, I know and I recognize that there's an intimacy there. There's an acknowledgement in there. And it says, in all your ways, acknowledgement, which means every choice I make, every conversation I have, everything I do or say or am in every season, 
I know, recognize, and need God in his wisdom. God is not a Sunday God. He's an everyday God. And I would even go to say he's not just an everyday God. He's an ever, every hour God. He's not an every hour God. He's an every minute. He's not an every minute. He's an every second, every millisecond. He wants you to acknowledge him, not because he needs it, but because we need it. And especially as you go through new seasons, acknowledge the fact that God has the wisdom that we do not have. Because whether you like it or not, Jesus didn't come and die for rules to be put on you. He came to die for a relationship with you. And in that partnership, there's an exchange. There's always someone sending and there's always someone receiving. And the way that that person receives is they need to respond. When my daughter was about two, I started doing something with her. I haven't done it recently, but I just asked her even after the last service if she remembered this. And she said, absolutely. She was two years old and we did it for a few years with her. I learned it from a friend and every night before bed, my daughter's Tim, when she was two or three, I would ask her a question. I would tuck her in, pray for her. And then I would ask her this one simple question. Are you ordinary? You see, in a partnership, if she would have just not responded, then that's not a partnership. That's a one-way conversation. And no one likes a one-way conversation. (laughs) Because I knew what my daughter was going to go through in her life. She was going to go through seasons, new seasons, tough seasons, great seasons. But I wanted to make sure she could answer that question. Are you ordinary? And in that partnership, my little girl, a three-year-old would look up at me and I trained her to say this. And she would look up at me and she would say, nope, I'm extraordinary. I wanted her to know that no matter what season you go in, the father thinks you're extraordinary. That the world may say, you're not special, but she can go, my father thinks I'm extraordinary. Where where someone can say, guess what? You don't have it all together. You're right, but my father thinks I'm extraordinary. Even when the blessings come and they say, you're amazing. You can say, I know because my father tells me I'm extraordinary. I wanted her to know the fact that she wasn't made just in an ordinary fashion, but she was extraordinary. That in whatever season she walked into, that there would be an attack on her identity. And that identity is founded in the fact that her father thinks she's amazing. But there had to be a sending and a receiving. There had to be a sending and a response. And listen to me, look at me. God is always waiting for our response. And the response is not, yeah, I'll go to church more, God. Yeah, I'll read my Bible more. Yeah, I'll be a good person. All those are great things. There's nothing wrong with those. But the response that God is looking for, listen to me, is simply for you to know how extraordinary you really are. That he was willing to pay the ultimate price 
for you and for me. And in that, I can navigate any new season because I trust in the Lord. I'm gonna have other people around me. I'm not gonna rely on what I understand because I don't see seasons very clearly. And I'm gonna make sure I acknowledge God. I recognize him. I know him. I walk with him hand in hand. He's sending, I'm receiving, I'm responding because we walk together. I don't just date God on the weekends. He's my everyday God. And when that happens, straight paths come. God makes the path so clear that you can see as clear as day that those straight paths you just walk in the newness and the joy of the Lord. When the hurricanes are all around in that season, when you feel all alone, you can rely on the fact that my God says I'm extraordinary. He'll never leave me or forsake me. Many of you are about to walk into new seasons. I want you to know the enemy is going to test you. And, and in those tests, he's looking to distort your identity. If you know who God says you are and you respond accordingly, we don't have crooked paths. We have straight paths. And in that season, you begin to build and build and you'll go from one season to the next, one season to the next, one season to the next. And you'll look back and you will not be the same person that you were in the old season because the new person that God is building for your identity is there and is there to do amazing things. That's my God. Is that your God? It's the glory of God. And if you're here this morning, you're going, Pastor Chris, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm, I have a really crooked path. My seasons have been filled with just crooked path after crooked path. I don't have a straight path. I don't know how to get back on it. I really want to pray for you this morning because I believe the Holy Spirit has illuminated some things in your heart and your mind that you need to begin to see so you can get back in that path, that straight path. For some of you, listen to me, I feel like there's the Holy Spirit. You need to cut that relationship off that you know is not healthy. It's not even not healthy, it's not godly and you know it. And I believe there are some in here that the reason you're feeling like a crooked path is because you still have that relationship or those relationships that you're trying so desperately to hold on to. And they're only distorting your identity in Jesus. He wants to give you straight paths. And I believe today he will, if we just ask. So Father in heaven, we thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for your glory that shines upon us, God. We know that you're doing something special even in this room right now because your presence is here. Thank you, Lord, that you illuminated. You give us revelation this morning to see things that we couldn't see, to hear things that we couldn't hear our own. It is only by your spirit that we are seeing and hearing things. And I pray for those that are navigating new seasons right now, God, that they would trust in you. They would not lean on what they understand, but in everything that they do, they would acknowledge, recognize, and know who you are and what you have called them to be and to do. I pray for their season. Let it be a fruitful, blessed season in whatever they're doing. If it's a difficult season, God, I pray the wilderness is used for preparation for the next season. I pray for those that are off their path right now, God, that the enemy has distorted 
I pray we repent and we come back to you. You're the father that always has open arms. And we thank you this morning that your spirit is ministering to those that are broken right now. That think they can never come back to the father. Thank you that we're never too far gone. And you're always waiting for us. So bless us this morning, God. Let your spirit rest upon us and move us in a different way in this new season. For some of you here this morning, you just need to take that next step when it comes to partnership with God. You need to be born again. It's the greatest question you can answer. Have you been born again? I didn't say, have you gone to church? Are you Protestant? Are you Catholic? I didn't say, if you've been baptized or christened, those are all great things. The Bible asks, have you been born again? And all it is, is it's a responding to what God has already done in you. It's a responding to what God has done through Jesus to say, I want to follow him. Some of you have been in church your whole life. You've never responded to being born again. Today, I want to give you that opportunity. How do I do that, Pastor Chris? It's as easy as ABC. A, we just admit we're sinners in need of a savior. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cover our past, present, and future sins. And C, we confess him as savior. He saves us from our sins. And now he is Lord. He is king. He is boss over our entire lives. And he will lead us on straight paths. If that's you in here this morning, I want to offer that to you. If you've never been born again, it only happens once, just like your physical birthday where you're born one time your spiritual birthday where you're born again one time. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. By raising your hand, you're just saying, Pastor Chris, include me in the born again prayer that you're going to pray. Matter of fact, we're all going to pray it together at the end. But if you're in here with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, on the count of three, if you go, Pastor Chris, include me in that born again prayer, I want you to raise your hand. On the count of three, one, God has called you here for a reason. Two, he's never left you or forsake you. He's calling you Three, I want you to raise your hand now. Pastor Chris, I see you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Raise it high. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. I see you. Awesome. Sixteen. You can put your hands down. If you raised it once, you don't ever have to raise it again. It's the glory of God. But if you go, Pastor Chris, I should have raised my hand. Last ten seconds for you. You can join them. I want you to join them now. Raise your hand high. Wave it at me. Anyone else? Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, church, with all those hands that were raised this morning, we're going to say this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe on the cross. You took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go and rose on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, in a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from my sin to be born again. Say this with me. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.